0: We're in Ephesians 6. Uh, We are particularly looking at verses 17 and 18 today. Um, This whole passage of scripture from 10 uh, verse 10 down through verse 20 uh, that we are looking at together. So you might forget it on occasion, but realize that this world is a battlefield. Day after day, hour after hour, we face a spiritual war and an enemy who is real. He wants nothing more than to bring defeat to you as the main aim that he has is to steal, kill, and destroy. The forces of darkness don't wait for us to be ready for the attack. They are ruthless, determined, and cunning. The devil could care less if we feel prepared or prayed up for our day. In fact, he prefers that we are not. God has given us his word and his spirit, powerful and true, so that we will have the wisdom and protection to stand against the enemy. As we are continuing to study from Ephesians 6, the words of God, the reality strikes us again that Paul wrote to while he was in chains in prison. And the truth says this enemy we face, no matter how cruel or vicious his schemes, can never chain our spirit. We have been set free by Christ. Paul has not, was not silenced by the attacks from dark forces and neither should we. So remember this day that the battle we face may be more about what is unseen than what we see before us. And when we resist the enemy, God's word tells us he has to flee, James 4, 7. So child of God, child of God. Stand firm, stand strong. You are never alone. He loves you. He fights for you. Deuteronomy 3.22 says, do not be afraid of them. The Lord, our God, your God himself will fight for you. We are called to daily, continually, always put on the full armor of God. We're in part two of that very message, put on the full armor of God. Our focus comes out of verse 13. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand. So we've looked at four of the seven Parts of the armor that we are going to be looking at here. We ask the questions: What is it? How does it protect me? And how do I put it on? Maybe, uh, maybe you're watching today, or you're here this morning, and you didn't hear part one of that. I encourage you to go back. Go to our website, look under media, and you'll be able to watch that message from last week where we talked about the belt of truth. Armor piece number two was the breastplate of righteousness. Number three was shoes of the gospel of peace. And number four, the shield of faith. And so today, we are talking about these last three parts of the armor. Number five, armor piece number five, the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. So in Ephesians 6, 17, he says, take up the helmet of salvation. Now, this is because a a helmet is provided to cover your head and to protect your mind. You know, the main purpose of a helmet in battle or in sports or in work situations like a construction site is to protect your brain from injury. You know, a football player's helmet is padded on the inside to help you absorb uh, the shock when it gets pounded to the ground. The brain has to be fiercely protected because once the brain gets damaged, all function of our body and life is damaged. A football player suffering from many different concussions can no longer play at the level that he once did and may not be able to play at all. With the helmet, Paul has, once again, he's using a physical example to illustrate a spiritual truth. And so he demonstrates that just as your brain is the control center of the rest of your body, your mind is the control center of your will of your choices, of your emotions. The mind has to be protected by this helmet that is able to absorb the shocks that we take from the enemy and even being knocked to the ground, at least in a spiritual way. So he calls it the helmet of salvation. What, what is salvation? Salvation really at its basic level is being rescued. Salvation is being rescued. You know, haven't you seen these pictures of floods that come and as the water is rushing along through a a channel of deep water, somebody falls in and they have no way to get out. The water is going so fast. The sides around them are so slick. There's no way, no matter how strong they are or how good a swimmer they are, for there's no way for them to get to the side and to climb out of that channel of water. They need somebody to rescue them. The only problem is that when it comes to us spiritually, that all of mankind is in the flood water. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And there's nobody standing on the bank to lend you a hand except God. And God decided that his son Jesus Christ would come down to earth, stretch out his strong hand and say, take my hand. And he lifts us out of the flood waters of our sin. We were headed straight for destruction, and we were headed there fast. But he lifts us up out of that. Only God is strong enough to do that. Amen? That's what salvation is. The Bible says that it's part of our spiritual armor, the helmet of salvation. It's interesting that it's a picture of protecting our head, our mind. Uh, as you look at your notes, you'll see just a, a couple of ways that you can uh, you can respond. How does this helmet protect me? Well, the fact that Jesus loves you is loves you enough to save you is a weapon that Satan cannot penetrate. Praise God for that! Aren't you glad that you know the deciding factor in victory in our life, victory or defeat, is what's going on in your mind how you are thinking about things. I mean, if, if the mind, the spiritual expression of, uh, are thinking, if it operates in a false reality, that means if you're thinking about things wrong, then you're going to live your life wrong. Okay. You're looking at me like, okay. All right. All right. So I'll give you an example. Okay. Let's Uh, Maybe you've heard this, and this is not negative toward this setting at all, but uh, you've heard where somebody would say, hello, my name is Alec, and I'm an alcoholic. You heard that? So what is happening is this person is identifying themselves. But in my perspective, he's he's identifying himself wrongly because he's identifying himself as a person with this inclination that there's probably a very good chance that he's gonna go back to that drinking. For a believer, I don't think we should say it that way. How about this? My name is Alec, and I am an overcomer. I have struggled with alcohol but now, I am a blood-bought child of the king who can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Same, same situation, just a completely different mindset. Those are two different ways of summing up the same situation. Proverbs 23, 7 says, guard your minds. As you think within yourself, so are you. So Christ wants to heal your mind. Jesus provided a protection for your mind, a protection from the influence of the enemy. Did you know that the enemy can can throw out ideas and thoughts and speculation into your thinking? You know, you ever had that experience where uh, you're just going along and everything is fine and all of a sudden you have this negative, evil, wrong thought that just goes through your mind and you think, where in the world did that come from? Well, I'll tell you where it came from. It came from the enemy of your soul trying to make you think about things that you didn't even choose uh, to think about. You weren't even thinking about all that. He tries to put, but we need, we need a protection Over our mind. We need protection from what the culture is telling us around. Whether you're uh, what you see on television or uh, listen to people around you, recognizing that He wants to give us um, this protection from the culture around us and even from our own ways of thinking, right? Even from our own ways of thinking, what kind of input are you getting into your thinking from the enemy, from the culture uh, around you? I recognize I I was uh, talking with with someone yesterday and something very typically happened. You know, he was talking to me about his relationship with God. And then as that conversation drifted, he began to use language that really identified a very low self-esteem. He thought very poorly of himself. And I said, You know, could I stop you right now? Because that's not who you are in Christ. Let's let's look at the Word of God. And we looked at a few verses together. And I said, That's who you are. That's who you are. You're a child of God. You know, just because the world has said that you are worthless and meaning, that doesn't mean it's true. It's a lie from the enemy, a lie from the culture, a lie from people around you that maybe took advantage of you or, or didn't see the value that you have. But our God sees your value. He wants you to have protection. So uh, how, do you, how do you put on this helmet of salvation? Well, I'll give you some encouragement. One way to put on the helmet and to be protected from Satan's attack is to think about the the cross, the cross of Jesus Christ. Satan hates it when you think about the cross. He hates that because he knows that there where the blood of Jesus was spilled is the place that he has to flee because he was defeated at that very spot. That's where the power is for us. When you try to do it on your own, he just kind of laughs at us. But when we recognize the cross, that's where the power is. When you're feeling like, I just can't make it on my own. I just can't make it another day. You can just paint a picture in your mind of yourself standing at the foot of the cross. How does this situation that I'm in look in light of the cross of Jesus Christ? How does this sin that has impacted my life look in light of the cross of Jesus? Do you want me to tell you what it looks like? That sin looks like it's forgiven, forgiven by the cross, forgiven on your behalf. When you look at your decisions, when you look at the light of Christ through the cross, it changes your mind, it changes your thoughts. Because the cross has the power, has the ability, always has, always will, the power to defeat Satan. The helmet of salvation, and the way you put it on is by thinking, thinking about the cross. Uh, Let me just give you a secret Satan is upset when you trust in Christ, he's upset. Because your testimony against, is against him. Your life is a testimony against him every day that you operate under the authority and the blessing of Jesus Christ. Satan is after you to destroy you. God has put you. You know what you're in? As a believer, you're in the God witness protection program. You are protected by him. He can change the way you look at yourself. By showing you how he looks at you. When you see yourself the way God sees you, you will walk differently. You will talk differently. You will act differently. You will live differently. You will love differently. You will live in victory that has been already given on your behalf. And one way to do that is to look at the cross. And then secondly, surrender those thoughts that don't line up with scripture. Surrender those thoughts. Colossians 3, 2 says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Remember the character of our Lord and his faithfulness in scripture as you live out your life. Wash your mind with the renewing of God's word. Romans twelve two, do not conform yourself to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Armor piece number five. The helmet of salvation. Armor piece number six. Number six is the sword of the spirit. The sword of the spirit. This piece of armor stands out from all the others. It is unique because it is the only offensive weapon in the whole arsenal. Everything else is designed to hold us steady when the enemy is seeking to bring his evil ways against us. But after God outfits you in the armor of God to help you take your stand, to stand firm, then he gives you an additional weapon in which you can attack and advance. Attack and advance. Let me tell you about this weapon. Roman soldiers had two different types of swords for the battle. The first sword was called a spatha. The spatha was kind of what you picture a long sword to be, uh, several feet long. And then they also carried a smaller, shorter sword called a gladius. It was typically about 18 inches long. And when Paul is instructing us here to take up the sword of the Spirit, he uses the word that refers to that smaller sword, the sword of the Spirit. So, one of the things I want to get out of your brain is that you are not Zorro. You know Zorro, right? All in black, the mask, the big long. Uh, big sword. We are not some swashbuckling pirate with a big long sword for our battle. Nope, that's not what he's talking about. The Roman soldier had this gladius, this short, almost dagger-like weapon that would be used to to impact and to take a blow against the enemy. It was double-edged it was uh, sharply pointed, a needle point, allowing for the greatest possible damage very quickly. Uh, the, the longer sword was sometimes hard to deal with or might create a wound that would enable the enemy to fight on. But the gladius delivered this death blow that would uh, allow this dagger to, to sweep into the enemy and, and even take their life. When Paul is instructing us to take the sword of the spirit, he's letting us know in this battle that we will have times when the enemy is so close, it feels like he's right there in your face. Right in your face. All right, um, maybe you need a little help. It's kind of like... Um, would you stand up? Uh, this is Ben. Ben, um, you play basketball? A little bit. A little bit, yep. So when he's playing basketball, and I'm, I'm going to be guarding him, you know, um, basketball is not about social distancing, right? No, I'm guarding him, and I don't want him to score. So I'm going to be quite right up in your face. He's going to be trying to, and but I'm going I'm to be up on him. And then he's going to try to shoot. And then I'm going to have hands in his face, covering his eyes, doing anything I can. Uh, You know, that we're, we're going to be really close, right on top of each other. That's the way that doesn't that feel like the way the enemy is sometimes? That he's right in your face. He's trying to do anything. Thank you. He's trying to do anything he can to cause you to have struggle or difficulty. He doesn't want you to make a basket. He doesn't want you to accomplish anything. He's he's in your face working against you. Satan does not want you to be able to accomplish things, so he's coming against you. So you need a weapon. You need a weapon that is going to be able to help you deal with those close battles with him. He's not just out there somewhere. He's right on top of you because he's after you. Now, the sword here, what is he talking about? Well, he's reminding us that the sword is the word of God. The sword of the spirit is the word of God. Now, what is the word of God? Anybody know what's that blank right there? The Bible, absolutely. The, the Bible is the word of God. Do you know that there are people, uh, I know of some of them, I, I read some of this stuff. There are people that like to um, kind of downplay the word of God it's really not the Bible. Uh, the Bible is not really the word of God. Sometimes people will say, even Christians, uh, they'll, they'll talk about, well, it's really not the, the word of God that we're talking. You know, the Bible says in the beginning was the word and he, uh, then he was, he, he was in the world and the world was uh, recognized. Trying to say that Jesus is the, is the word of God. Well, Jesus is the living word, right? Okay. But however, the Bible is the word of God. The Bible, we, we believe that, right? We're not changing that. That's like a, that's, that's foundational for who we are as believers, recognizing that we believe. That's why we study the Bible. That's why we preach the Bible. I mean, we are not here. Um, we had service Wednesday night, and I started talking and asking, uh, answering questions and all that. And I kind of felt bad after we left. I thought, well, I didn't even teach the word of God, but that won't happen again. You know, I mean, that, was, that was a one-time thing. We teach the word of God. We teach the scripture and you have to study it because it's powerful. And Satan knows that the word of God is powerful. And so that's why he tries to twist God's word so that it wouldn't be a sharp sword, but it would be a dull sword, unable to carry out its purposes. Uh, both the, the, the word of God as an offensive weapon on our, you know, that's what happened in the garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve were in the garden and they sinned, that's exactly what Satan did to them. Remember, Satan twists God's word and he questions Eve and said, did God really say that? What he did, what he's doing there is because he knew that if he could get them mixed up about the word of God, that he would have the power to defeat them. In fact, Satan loves, he loves it. When you say, well, this is what I think. Or, this is my opinion. Or, this is what my grandmother said. This is what my mama told me. This is what our friends say. This is what I read on the internet. (laughs) Satan loves words like that. Because he knows that there is no power in what you think. There is no way... That there is power in what other people are telling you. He alone, he will leave you alone and let you gather all that data that you want, all that you hear on television or the radio or uh, emails that you might get. But I'll tell you the one thing that he's afraid of is when you say, well, God says. God says it's like a, a jamming of that sword right into his midsection. And he starts running away. Satan is unable to stand against the powerful force of the word of God. I'll give you a perfect example. Matthew chapter four, Jesus is led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the, by the devil. Notice that he's led into the wilderness and, uh, He's being tempted by the enemy around him. He's out there, he's been out there fasting for 40 days, and now he's hungry. And Luke 4 says that we read that Satan looked for an opportune time to work his deception, and he tried to capitalize on Christ's legitimate need for food. And he says, Command these stones to become bread. Jesus says, It is written. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Notice what Jesus didn't do as well as what he did do. By saying it is written, he's bringing the full force of the word of God. But he didn't get in a debate about it. He didn't get in a negotiation over it. He simply said to Satan, it is written. This is the word of God. And Satan came at Jesus two more times. And each time he said, it is written, followed by what the word had said about the matter. Now, I'm telling you, if Jesus needed to stand on the word of God to overcome the enemy against him, what do you think we need? We need to stand on the word of God. He overcame Satan with the word of God. The issue Jesus faced was a legitimate one. He was hungry. He needed strength. But he recognized that he could stand against uh, against the devil uh, by recognizing the word of God. The sword of the spirit is an offensive weapon to advance against the enemy when you come to trials and temptations and battles that are brought about uh, against you. When the enemy is so close, we need the word of God. This, this scripture also says, it is the sword of Lloyd. Oh, no, scratch that out. <laughs> it's the sword of the spirit. See, it's not your sword. It's not the church's sword. It's not the sword of good works or religion. It is the sword of the spirit. The sword of the spirit of God. In fact, it's the only weapon here that's talked about in this way, in this armor of God. We recognize that God has given us instruction of how to use the sword. how How to recognize that God wants to allow us to have the word of God hidden in our heart. It's true for us. One of the reasons we get ourselves in trouble and that we lose battles is that we turn to our own resources. We turn to our own methods. We turn to our own philosophies or the philosophies of the world. And we try to do battle against someone that is not human and fleshly. Paul didn't say, take up your sword. He said, take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So even my best intentions cannot compete with an enemy who is fighting like the devil against me. I can never accomplish that on my own. The only way to defeat the enemy is to walk in a like of victory according to God's design. When we choose a man-made method, uh, our, our fighting, our battle is at a loss. So he gives us this offensive weapon. You know, the thing that, that gives you power is that the, the word of God as a sword works on me and for me, on me and for me. You ever have your devotions one day and you read a Bible verse and you think, man, I hope that girl at work would know, would read this verse this morning, you know, cause we, we want somebody else. But first thing the word does is it works on us and then it works for us as God works in and through us with His Word. I love that idea. Um, so how do how do you how do you take up the sword? Well, in a practical way you can take up the sword, uh, having a daily quiet time. Uh, you know, don't wish, you? You're gonna to starve to death and lose the battle if the only time you ever hear the Word of God is when you're sitting in here or when you're watching online. You're in the Word of God every day. It's your sword. It's your it's your resource, uh, the, um, and it's so interesting when you have daily time with God. Uh, you know, if, if this has happened a hundred times, it's happened a thousand times. I read the, read the scripture. I'm in the word of God early in the morning, praying, um, you know, near the end of that prayer, I'm praying about my day and who I'm gonna see and probably the people that I don't even know I'm gonna see. But do you know what? That word many times is just the word that I needed. Uh, for the day that was coming out there, being in, put, putting on the armor, putting on recognizing I'm taking the sword of the spirit, the word of God uh, into my life, uh, the word of God with me in temptations and trials. 2 Thessalonians 3.3 3 says, but the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen and protect you. From the evil one. He has given us the tools and the resources to be able to stand in battle against the evil one. Armor piece number five, the helmet of salvation. Armor piece number six, the sword of the Spirit. Armor piece number seven, prayer. Prayer. See, Paul does not change sentences and start a new thought when he gets to verse 18. It's a continuation of this same thought about the armor of God. We stand firm against the enemy's schemes through prayer. We are to take up the sword of the Spirit prayerfully in our life, recognizing God is wanting to to show us how to live out prayer. I was trying to think, you know, Paul, I'm I'm certain he didn't have this in mind. But I thought if we were going to add prayer as one of the pieces of armor, maybe maybe it's a walkie-talkie. That'd be a good one, right? They didn't have them back then, but we have them now. Uh, they had a walkie-talkie because life can be difficult. And so we need to be able to talk to our God. We got to call headquarters and say, here's where I am. Here's what I'm struggling with. I need your help. You know, Prayer is not like a, an intercom in your house where you call somebody in the kitchen and tell them to bring you some snacks because you're watching TV. That's not. That's not prayer. Prayer is battlefield. Prayer is calling on God in temptations and struggles and difficulties. Calling on him on behalf of loved ones and friends that are in trouble or struggling, needs that we would be have. Prayer is, ab- is, is necessary because life is war. Life is war. Prayer is done in the spirit. Prayer in the spirit of God, the second time that he's described. Prayer is comprehensive. Notice all the all statements that he's mentioning there. All perseverance, all saints that we're praying for. He says, pray with all perseverance and consistency, with all requests on our hearts. Pray alertly, pray consistently, pray for all the saints. Prayer reminding us that we are putting on the full armor of God. God reminds us all that life is war and that all of life must be lived in prayer. So we spent these three weeks talking about battle and victory and the armor of God. I just want to ask you, what are you you going to do with it? What are you going to do uh, with this armor? I heard this story about uh, world champion bodybuilder. Uh, he was on a tour and he went over to Africa to promote good health and physical fitness. He went to some large cities and then he also went to some nearby villages. He's in this one village that has no electricity, no television, no running water. And one day he's out there doing his presentation. You can see him camp, you know, he's doing all his movements and muscles and all that. And people are watching them. Uh, the chief, the tribal chief in that village has been watching. And so he makes his way down to the front and through a translator, he begins to ask this bodybuilder some questions. He says to him, what you have shown us is quite impressive. I have never seen that many muscles on one man before. The bodybuilder thought that was such a compliment and he made a few more moves for the crowd. But the tribal chief went on. He said, I have one question for you. What are you gonna use those muscles for? The bodybuilder looked at him and said, well, bodybuilding is my profession. Like, this is what I do. This is my job. You don't use those muscles for anything, he got asked. No, he said. Well, the tribal chief said, what a waste. What a waste to have all those muscles and not use them for anything. The same could be said for us as believers. We have access from almighty God, the full armor of God. But if we don't use it to walk in victory, if we fail to apply God's truth from his word, if our life is intentionally avoiding and not knowing, not putting into practice. We're gonna live in defeat of spiritual warfare and we'll be no closer to living a life of victory. We'll be like the young man that was in his yard and he's digging up stumps. You know how hard that can be. He's been working for hours to dig up this stump that's in his yard. He's sweating and frustrated His dad comes home, dad walks over and says, what are you doing? He said, well, I've been working for hours trying to get this stump up, but I I cannot do it. Nothing I do is working in this situation. I have done everything I know to do. I've used all the resources that I have. Dad said, well, you hadn't used all your resources because you didn't ask me and I can help you. That's how Jesus is. Whatever you're facing, whatever your struggles, Jesus is the answer. You know why? Because he is the embodiment of the the armor of God. You know, if you don't think, if you don't get it, if you forget everything I've said about the armor of God, just remember Jesus. Remember Jesus, the belt of truth. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Remember Jesus, the breastplate of righteousness. He says, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians 5:20. remember Jesus, the shoes of the gospel of peace. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus. He is the shield of faith. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of God. Hebrews 12 2. remember Jesus, the helmet of salvation. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Acts 4.12, remember Jesus the sword of the spirit which is the word of God in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God he was with God in the beginning and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we saw his glory glory as of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth no one has ever seen God at any time the only begotten of God who is in the bosom of the father he has revealed him remember Jesus in other words, if you forget all about the armor, you remember Jesus. As a matter of fact, Paul not only said, put on the full armor of God. He said, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's suit up. Let's put on the armor of God. Let's arm ourselves against the enemy against us. And let's live in victory. We're going to sing this song she's playing for us. And then we're going to pray a prayer. And it's printed for you with the notes stand together sing this Jesus 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 Oh, God, prayer. It's a prayer that I hope you you, uh, take with you and pray often. Think about this prayer. Dear God, we thank you that you hold the victory over sin and death in this world. We thank you that you came to set the captives free. We thank you for your redemptive work you have done in our lives. We thank you for freedom and the hope you bring. We hold your word of truth as our weapon against the enemy's schemes and proclaim that he does not have authority over our lives for we have been set free. Give us wisdom and discernment to recognize his traps and to stand strong against his work. Fill us fresh with the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen, right? Today, we put on the full armor to guard our lives against attack. We put on the belt of truth to protect against lies and deception. We put on the breastplate of righteousness to protect our hearts from the temptations we battle. We put on the gospel of peace on our feet so we are ready to take your light wherever you send us this day. We choose to walk in peace and freedom of your spirit and not be overcome with fear and anxious thoughts we take up your shield of faith that will extinguish all the darts and threats hurled our way by the enemy. We believe in your power to protect us and choose to trust in you. We put on the helmet of salvation, which covers our minds and thoughts, reminding us we are children of the day, forgiven, set free and saved by the grace of Christ Jesus, hallelujah. We take up the sword of the spirit, your very word, the one offensive weapon given us for the battle, which has the power to demolish strongholds. Your word is alive, active, and sharper than any double-edged sword. We ask that you would remind us to pray constantly for all believers. We ask for you to help stay help us stay alert in a dark world we ask for your help to be salt and light that we would be loving and gracious yet unyielding to sin lord we ask for your help in remembering to put on the full armor every day for you give us all that we need to stand firm in this world forgive us god for the times that we've been unprepared too busy to care or trying to fight and wrestle in our own strength. Thank you, we never fight alone for you are constantly at work on our behalf, shielding, protecting, strengthening, exposing deeds of darkness, bringing to light what needs to be known and covering us from the cruel attacks we face even when we're unaware. Remember this day that the battle we face Maybe more about what is unseen than what we see before us. And we resist the enemy. God's, words tell, God's word tells us he has to flee. Repeat these words after me. I will stand strong. Let's try that again. I will stand strong. I am never alone. Jesus loves, me. Jesus, loves me. Jesus for me. Jesus fights for me. I love Jesus. I, love Jesus. I, need I need him today. In the powerful name of Jesus. Name of Jesus. Everyone said, Amen. 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 Oh man, we should be cheering. Look what he's done. Look what he's provided. We are celebrating together. So we're not going to stay in this room. We're going to be dressed to go out into the world, to deal with whatever's happening around us, to be witnesses of what God has done. So wear the armor. Put on the armor of God. Let's get out of here. Let's go and live it out in the world around us. Let's go.